going to have our reading now and then Dave will come and speak to us. We've sung about believing in the saints' communion and as we continue our series on being church, Dave will then come and unpack what it actually means to do that believing in practice. The reading is from James chapter 4, verse 11 through to James chapter 5, verse 9. And if you look in your pew Bible, you can find it on page 1215. So that's page 1215. James 4, starting at verse 11. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go to this or to that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that's coming to you. Your wealth is rotten and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Luke, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the Lord, the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the father, sorry, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for autumn and the spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the law at the door. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Barbara. Good morning. Now, just, just imagine, imagine, if I started this morning by saying something like this. Well, I think this one another series is okay. It's all right. Honor one another. Sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? Love one another. Yeah, probably good. Bear with one another. Even wash one another's feet if you have to. Um... But why do I get grumble? Why do I get the sermon about not grumbling? Is somebody trying to say something to me? 
You know, what's this about? Why don't I get the holy kiss bit, you know? I can do the holy kiss bit, but I don't fancy the grumbling bit. If I'd done that, and I meant it, and I don't, that could start gossip, couldn't it? That could start people saying, well, have I fallen out with a vicar or something? You know, is, this, is something going on here? Let's, let's build this up a bit. You know, oh, really? Is that what it is? See what a forest fire is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of life on fire, and itself set on fire by hell. The tongue is dangerous. James is saying, we don't need a visual reminder, do we? We've got one the other side of the world. What a catastrophic effect a forest fire can have. James is saying the tongue's like that. The tongue can do damage. And can I make it absolutely crystal clear that what I said at the beginning is not my true opinion? Please don't go home and say that. But we do grumble, don't we? Some people say we grumble and we put, people other, put other people down because we've had lots of practice. That could be true. Do we do it a lot? Do we go home from church and say, oh dear, what was that about? Or do we say something about another brother or sister in Christ, which puts them down and takes away from them what they truly are? Now, sometimes we should complain, shouldn't we, if uh, somebody serves up. This is not saying we should all go around saying all the time, oh, you're gorgeous, oh, you're lovely, oh, you're beautiful. Uh, that's something which we can do, and we could perhaps do it a bit more. Uh, but it's not saying that if we get sold a dodgy product, we shouldn't complain about it. Of course it's not. That's clearly quite ridiculous. Or maybe around here, if we see something which we think uh, we could bless the church with and which we could say could be changed, uh, I'm sure that would be well received if it was done in that gracious spirit. There were plenty of, plenty of grumblers in the Bible. Moses had it in the desert. Um, if anybody's interested, I've got 10 pages of grumblers here, uh, which I got off the internet. Um, and there's about 10 texts per page. So there's about 100 mentions of complaining and grumbling in the Bible. I've got the list. If you want to study it, uh, you might find it helpful. Now, as with all the other one another's, James is not saying that when you get up in the morning, you try very hard not to grumble or slander anyone. All the ones we've looked at have always got, as it were, a God context. It's not simply saying, let's try hard and be good boys and girls. It's actually saying, because God, therefore I. There's always a God foundation. And it's not strange here. If you go back into chapter 4, verse 7, you see it. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. Deliberately, basically, is saying, tell Satan to get lost. And there are ten commands in verses 7 to 10, which are all designed to help us to be less proud, less arrogant, less self-centered, and, and more fixed on God, realizing who God is and how humble we should be in that light. And therefore, James says, how can you slander one another in verse 11? How can you? If God is God and he is the authority and he is the judge, how can you speak against another person? Uh, you are actually saying, I'm the lawgiver. I know. And James says in verse 12, there's only one lawgiver. So who are you to judge your neighbor? 
You can't do it. Uh, sometimes we, we say things, don't we? we? We say something about some other person, and rarely, rarely, rarely do we ever have the full picture about the judgment we're making. I mean, when I first met Simon, I thought, who's your tailor, mate? You know, are you going to get that sorted, please? You know, every week a new shirt. I don't know how he does it. And it would be very easy. Just to, That's a very trivial example, by the way. And I think your shirts are great, really. That's, it's all right, mate. It's okay. Keep, keep wearing them. Thank you very much. Stop it. So you rarely have the whole picture. Rarely, rarely, rarely. God is the law. So if you are likely to get it wrong, I'll freely translate this next bit. Zip it. Don't say it. It's unlikely to helpful because your words could easily be inaccurate. And he's put this in the context of the God who is the lawgiver, the God who is sovereign, the God who says, no, don't do this. Do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. It's basically saying, I know best. I know better than God. And if I think that, then I need to read my Bible a bit more often. Because God is sovereign. God is above all. And there's another reason. To slander is to make a judgment about another person. So let's not do it because God will judge. I'm not here to judge you. You're not here to judge other people because your picture will always be partial. So to put it absolutely crudely, cut it out. It's unlikely to be helpful. Now, does that mean that we should never say to another brother or sister in Christ, in a loving, tender, and gracious way, there may be some things that you need to understand about the way you're living? It's one of the battles of pastoral care, isn't it? When do you intervene? When do you say something? When do you not say something? Of course we should try and correct. We need to look at the rest of Scripture and see that often God says, if a brother or sister is going away from God, then he or she needs the love and the tenderness and the affection of the community of God's people to say, now come on, back on the road. That's not grumbling. That's helping someone live more Christ-like. And if we go on to verse 7, we see another thing that uh, I think is profound. Brothers, then be patient with one another. Patience is something we should have with one another. Now, uh, do you know, on the way here, I got a patience test. You go up that M3, and you get a bloke driving a white Jeep, beautiful vehicle. But he's going at four miles a fortnight in the middle lane, you know? What do you do about that? Shift over, mate. There's a, what do you think the inside lane's for? Parking? You know? And I, I confess, my wife will tell you this weakness if you talk to her afterwards. Uh, anything like that, traffic jams, oh boy. Just shift over. The temptation to undertake sometimes takes me over, I confess. Or waiting 30 seconds yesterday for VAR to tell me whether Tottenham had scored or not. Oh, get on with it. Just tell me. You know, get, take him out of the misery out of it. Or if we look at Sainsbury's baskets, you know, we check what, where the short, the little ones are. You know, I must get in that queue because I'll get out quicker. Am I the only one who does that? Oh, dear. 
Oh, sorry. So James appeals. He appeals to them as a family. Be patient then, brothers and sisters. And again, in that second text about grumbling, we have a context until the Lord's coming. Now, that hasn't happened yet. So we're still in the non-grumbling era because the Lord hasn't returned yet. So we are to do those things with one another. He is saying, don't damage the family until the Lord comes. Please don't do that damage. Scripture is full of these verses about doing that. Philippians 2, I've got this list. I'm going to read you three of them. Do all things without grumbling or questioning, Philippians 2. 1 Peter 4, 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Ephesians 4, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. It's, it's right the way through the scriptures. Watch your tongue, watch your saying. And Jesus is saying in these verses here in chapter 5, he's saying, look, get a bigger perceptive. The Lord is coming soon. Hanging on till then might not be easy. We're the family of God together. So let's keep the community together until that day. We could face persecution. So we, as he says here, we need to be patient like farmers. We need to, there's, there's a day coming, but we need to wait. We need to wait together. And if we're waiting together, we stand firm, holding on to one another in love. Because if you grumble, verse 9, you will be judged. God will say, you, you grumbled. Why did you do that? Why did you say something against someone else when you didn't need to? Or do you go home and grumble about the church and grumble about the music, grumble about this, grumble about that? Why didn't that work? Oh dear, on we go. Rather than being positive and trying to support the people who do the ministry around here, supporting the staff team and all the people that work so hard, so many volunteers and saying, brother, you're doing a great job. Well done. Keep going. Press on. Until the day comes, James is saying. Until the day comes. The Lord's coming back. Are you excited about that? Thanks, Simon. Cheers for that, mate. Um, well, there's one guy who is. Come on, we, we should be. We, we've lost this. I really think we've lost this in the church today. We've lost the sense that the Lord is coming soon. It was much more um, poignant in the early first century than it is today. And because we live only in the narrow confines of the day today, we tend to grumble about what we see today because we've lost that big picture. But God is going to come and send his son back to redeem all and to set up the new community. So don't grumble because you will be judged. The Lord's coming is near. He says it again at the end of verse 8. Don't grumble against one another. And that's the key thing, you see. He says against one another. So this isn't grumbling necessarily about an issue, although that could be it, but the one another. That's the family thing again, you see. That if this starts buzzing about in a, in a community, it can do untold damage. We're back to the forest fire illustration. It starts and it grows. And, it, and with social media these days and all the ways that we can communicate with each other um, and, and the famous Christian line, you know, did you know? 
Have you heard? Hmm. You know that one? And off it goes. Chinese whispers, so by the time it gets to you, ten times around, it's much worse than it was before. And you set fire to a forest. So when we talk about one another, when we do talk in that way, we are doing untold damage, and we must be careful. The judge is standing at the door. The judgment is imminent. He's going to say, cut it out. But there is two things which I need to say, I think, about complaining and about the way it's used in the scriptures. There is a way of good complaining. And you may be surprised at that, but there is. Now, James has been criticized what one writer calls faithless complaining, and it's wrong. But faithful complaining goes to God. It never accuses him of wrongdoing. Listen to this quote. It is an honest, groaning expression of what it's like to experience the trouble, anguish, and grief of living in this fallen, futile world. God does not mind this kind of complaining. In fact, he encourages it and teaches us how to do it. And if you think that was beautifully expressed, you were dead right. It was written by John Piper. Yes, you can go to God. Psalm 142. With my voice, I cry out to the Lord. With my voice, I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. Psalm 142, verses 1 and 2. We can go to God. We always submit to him. We tell him that we love him. And that we are really struggling with life issues. And that life is hard. But we come in submission. We make our complaint. That's the word used in scripture. And to listen to his guidance to experience in love. Most commonly found in the, the famous Psalms of Lament in the, in the Psalter. Which will teach us that this age can be frustrating. And, and it's okay to say, Lord, 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 when? When? Why? What's going on here in this world? Why is this happening? Why do I have to experience these things? That is legitimate, faithful complaint. And we can speak to God about those things, and he will hear us, and he will answer. We can do that individually, or sometimes maybe when we meet in our home groups, and an issue has hit the home group, and we, we don't quite understand it, and it's all right for us to sit together and pray to God and say, Lord, what's happening? Please teach us. But it's always in that submissive way. Lord, what are you teaching? When we hit suffering, the question is never, God, what are you playing at? The question is always, what are you trying to teach me? And when we do that, we submit to God. But let's finish with that Philippian verse, shall we? It's a fabulous verse, isn't it? That, that end bit of Philippians 2, it's superb. Do all things without complaining. <laughs> if only do all things without complaining there's an all in there, little word, three letters but all, do all things without complaining wow what would the world be like if that happened what would we be like as a community if it never happened 
that you may be, Paul goes on, blameless and harmless. That is, you will not be judged. You will be children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. My friends, this is exciting. Paul is saying, cut out the grumbling, do everything without complaining. That's going to be a struggle, but do it. And there's a purpose. Because if we're like that, if we become a community which, as it were, cut out negativity, cut out complaint, cut out grumbling, cut out slandering our brothers and sisters. Paul says, in which you will then shine like stars as you hold out the word of truth. That's what he wants for us as a community. It's what he expressed in Philippians 2. Grumblers are not stars. Non-grumblers show Jesus to the world. That's what he's saying. Two of the most significant people in my life have been non-grumblers. A man I shared eldership with when I was around 30. The most quietly spoken, gracious, godly man I think I've ever met. Uh, He mentored me. He once actually very quietly and gently called me a hothead. I can't imagine where he got that from, but he did. That was the man. And he quietly steered me through what it meant to be a leader. I'm so grateful to Ralph Anya for that. What a man. And there's another one who I've known for 40 years, a significant leader in the world church, Jonathan Lamb, who once said to me, if you can't say something positive, why say it at all? If you can't say something positive, why say it at all? So until the Lord returns, this scripture is saying, let's build the kingdom with non-grumbling. Let's speak well of people. Let's build each other up. Let's shine the light of the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we show the world You can speak without criticism. Let's show the world a new and better way. Amen.